Hey, Gabe. Hey, what's up, Tim? Today we watched the romantic comedy blowing up right now about a couple on the rocks, but trying to reignite the spark of their relationship during a nuclear missile crisis. Thanks for agreeing to watch this movie with me. I know uh, I know we're more of a DEFCON, STRATCOM than a ROMCOM podcast. Tim, I think you're being super critical. Welcome to another episode of the Supercritical Podcast, where we delve into the fun and oftentimes nonsensical way pop culture portrays nuclear weapons. My name is Tim Westmeyer, someone who studies nuclear weapons and works on nuclear counterproliferation for a living. I'm joined today in the podcast studio slash Zoom with my co-host Gabe. Gabe, welcome back. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Uh, good, good. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we recorded a podcast episode on a romantic comedy. Not that, uh, you know, you and I are anti-romance or anything. Right. Um, you know, we spent many lovely uh, flights uh, over the Chesapeake Bay <laughs> looking at the sunset. But it turns out this genre of rom-com doesn't necessarily mix well with nuclear war plots. Uh, we've previously covered Blast from the Past, and that was a lot of fun. Brendan Fraser film. Um, but, you know... It's the holiday season. It's that important time of the year where you spend time with the people that matter most to you. And what better way to figure out who is closest to you than figuring out who you want when the missiles are on their way? Uh, what are we here to talk about, Gabe? Yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, 2019 movie Blowing Up Right Now, uh, which is about a, a young couple. They live in Los Angeles, where you're from. Uh, so it's cool. I want to get your take on some of this. Um, I'm, I'm wearing my, my Dodgers shirt because there's, there's some beautiful overhead drone shots of Dodger Stadium. Oh, there you go. But yeah, no, this couple, they have like a relationship that's kind of on the rocks thinking about breaking up. But yeah, be careful what you wish for, because um, just as they just as things start to come to a head, they get one of those, you know, the alerts where you're like in the restaurant and it's like everybody at the <laughs> same time, their phone goes off. They get one of those and guess what? It's a nuclear missile uh, coming to hit L.A. So, yeah, awkward. Yep. Uh, they decided to split and someone decided to split the atom. So this film directed by Tom Morris, whose other credits include similar streaming comedies of or horror productions. I like this cast. Danny Jolis is playing a character named Shep. He is one of my favorite uh, stand-up people. Uh, he was in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend as the character George. Uh, pretty darn good, funny guy. His comedy specials, which I'll recommend at the end of the podcast, are definitely something to check out. Uh, we've got a couple other people here. Uh, Sujana Day as Mandy. Uh, just wanted, I looked at, tried to look at her filmography. And the first one on the list is a movie called Weapons of Mass Destruction. Couldn't figure out a lot related to it. It seemed like it was a parody film, but it had something to do with someone taking down Saddam Hussein. Um, so that's fun. And a couple other people on the, on the on the movie, the main one I wanted to note was uh, Kelly Maroney and Pete Gardner as Ruth and John, who's Shep's mom and dad. The person who plays the mom is one of an actress in one of my favorite, very low-key, dumb movies that I've recommended on the podcast before called The Night of the Comet, which is about a comet that travels over the United States or the world and only certain people survived. Everyone else turned to dust. And it's the story of people trying to survive in it. And uh, Pete Gardner is uh, also on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's terrific. Uh, did you recognize any of these people from anything previously? I did not. Um, yeah, well, I'd be curious, like, how you knew. Because it seems like you're you're kind of into this uh, Danny Jollis guy. Um, but yeah, no, he looked kind of familiar. But no, definitely did not see him in anything before. So it's more of a... 
it's like a lower budget thing. No, no big firepower, but I thought the acting was okay. We'll talk more about that. Yeah, don't spoil the ending uh, when it comes to firepower. So yeah, this movie was was largely streaming. I don't think it was released in theaters. There isn't enough Rotten Tomato reviews to give it a score, but it's a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, you know, it's is it the does it have the backing of a large Hollywood studio? No, but I mean. I figured you might get a little bit of a kick out of this because it seemed like one of those bottle episodes like you get in Star Trek where everything is pretty much on existing sets, but they have to come up with a creative way to uh, film everything like uh, Warhead, which we covered on Star Trek Voyager. So we'll we'll see uh, what we feel like when we're all at the end of the episode. It, it did win a couple of awards, including Programmer's Choice for Best Feature at the Dances with Films Festival and Best International Drama at the Edmonton International Film Festival, both in 2019. Let's get into it. Two questions I have overall for us to think about as we are talking through this. One, how well does romance and radiation mix in the story? And two, if we were watching this movie only to learn about ways to survive a nuclear attack on Los Angeles, what do we learn? And will we survive? So yeah, Tim, I guess before we move uh, through the plot of the movie, our usual spoiler alert, um, you know, go watch the movie first, then you can listen to this and nothing will be spoiled. Right now it's available for quote unquote free on Amazon Prime streaming. Yeah, you just need to sell your soul to Jeff Bezos and then you can watch this movie. So it's a good deal. Small cost. Yeah. (laughs) Chef, I'm afraid we're going to have to let you go. Neither of us are happy with this situation, right? You guys are still together. Yeah, we're still together. I'm just trying to let him down easy. But if you sugarcoat everything, he'll think you're not serious. You have to break him. Did I lose the spark? It's not you, it's me. Chef, you need to see this. Ballistic missile inbound. Gotta be a fake, right? The terrifying message screened across the city. The exact payload of these missiles is anyone's guess. They do know that it is headed straight to Los Angeles. Okay, 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 we just need to go. We need to go, please. Yeah, I'm not doing this. I don't want to be stuck in traffic if we're going to get blown up. What do we do now? I've got some ideas. Do you really think all this is necessary? Yeah, there's looters outside. I've been sort of seeing this other guy. So this guy you cheated on me with, who was he? What are you doing here? I'm in love with you. I'm about to punch this guy in the face. It took us thinking that we were going to die in order to have any kind of real conversation. Busy! So yeah, so there's so there's we talked a little bit about the couple Shep Shep and Mandy, I guess short for like Shepherd. I don't know. I don't know. The the only thing I thought of when I thought of Shep uh, is one of my favorite kid dumb Hulk Hogan movies uh, called Suburban Commando, and he plays Shep Ramsey. So I don't know. Maybe they're related. I'm just gonna throw that out there, or maybe the, the father really liked that movie like I did. Just throwing it out there as consideration. I have so many questions that are worth their own episode. But anyway, um, Shep and Mandy, it starts with them like true millennial couple <laughs> taking selfie photos in bed, pretending like he's he's waking up as she's still asleep and they're yeah. going to post it on the account to like show. Caught me sleeping. Boo caught me yeah, sleeping. Exactly. Um, and, you know, they're just typical millennial couple, both on their phones, you know, who who commented this and getting upset about, you know, a nasty comment and throwing shade at, at somebody who dissed them on Instagram. That sets the scene, then goes to images of mushroom clouds and nuclear test stock videos for the opening credits. Uh, so if you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like avocado toast and... 
thermonuclear war. I don't know how this mixes, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and we see some of the classics, the the real classic. You see the fence getting knocked over by the shockwave. You see some test footage from Apple II, which is one of the the um, effects tests where they build a building and try to blow it up and see how far away it will collapse using different types of building material. Got to visit a couple of those things way back, oh gosh, now like four or five years ago, uh, when I visited the, ne- the National Security Site, uh, which is where the used to be called the Nevada Test Site. Uh, you can check that episode out. I forget what number it is, but I went there uh, with someone named Clark, and we we went and visited there and talked about the movie Blue Sky. Yeah, pretty standard stuff. It kind of reminds me a lot of Six String Samurai, that film, which is not really any nuke stuff otherwise uh, here and there, but then it's, it's got to start with this exact same footage, more or less, so that you know what you're into. I was thinking about that for a different reason. And of course, everyone should go listen to the Six String Samurai episode. But I was thinking about it because it was similar, like in terms of budget, it had a similar like budget, you know, low budget mm-hmm. kind of uh, indie type vibe. It's a fun start to the film to know what you uh, are getting yourself into. What our main characters have gotten themselves into is a five year relationship. It seemed like the spark was pretty high at the beginning. There's a fun running thing where there's like a debate about what their meet cute story was. How did the couple meet? Uh, which is something, of course, people talk about. Uh, but they joke about how everything that they tell, every story, it's tailored for the individual they're talking to, their parents, their friends, trying to make it seem like they're as romantic as possible. Uh, but Shep seems pretty happy. He's pretty jazzed about the relationship. Mandy seems to be having doubts. The initial story we hear is about how he helped her take shelter under a tree during a storm, which is fun foreshadowing uh, for what happens later in the movie. But here's what we get. We get our first um, discussion about nuclear things other than just the imagery. There's a computer where he's like checking his... I guess Shep is an, an artist who is right, who may makes like custom art, cards, whatever you want, and... He has a lot of fans who are commenting, and then he closes that, and there is a news story, like on CNN, about uh, nuclear tensions rising. There's no description yet of like what that country that is that the United States seems to be having uh, nuclear tensions with, just to know that there's nuclear tensions, and there is a fan of his art, uh, a girl... Uh, who is commenting about how great his art is. Got to remember that for later. Yeah, and and so so you got the nuclear stuff going on. Again, it's clear that Mandy's prepping to break up with Shep. She's, like, talking to her pretty awful best friend, just, like, soulless person who's, um, who's telling her, like, to leave the relationship. And then she confides that she's actually seeing this other guy named Nick. Uh, so yeah, clearly not a great relationship. Shep's, you kind of get some insight into him, you know, as, as this artist, like not fully independent. He talks to his mom and dad, um, that, uh, they've been kind of supporting him financially. And, and, uh, he actually got a residency in Oregon. He's actually going to like start getting paid, uh, for his art. So, I guess he's going to be staying with his parents um, there or something like that. So he, so he is living in their home in L.A., Yeah, but he right. was going to go up to Oregon. And so far, he's excited by this, but I don't think he's told Mandy yet. I think he just assumes Mandy would love this. It's it's like to re-spark their relationship, get out of the city. But then, of course, she would have to quit her job, and she seems to be like a high-powered something or another uh, in maybe fashion. I, I couldn't tell, but she seems to be you know doing well in business. Funny when she is practicing her breakup story with her friend. And it's like a very much like the kind of story you would tell someone if you were laying them off, like the movie, what was it, Up in the Air? Uh, yeah, with like Clooney. a scripted, yeah, yeah, like a scripted firing, uh, of a firing or script. I, I do kind of like the 
running thing where both Mandy and uh, Shep go to their phones and computers to FaceTime with their other people that are important in their life. And they, I think they touch base like three or four times. And each time it's like a mirror image of the other person talking through their issues. And I think it's a fun like little aside uh, for them to kind of get a sense of their, their mental thoughts because they don't confide much in each other, but they confide in their friends and you get a sense of that. Yeah, exa- exactly. She, you know, again, um, Mandy didn't know that this Oregon thing was happening. Uh, Shep kind of assumes that it's all just going to go work out um, or that the relationship would just work somehow. But that kind of, uh, he makes some joke when he's telling her about this, like, oh, maybe we should just break up. And that's <laughs> when Mandy decides she's going to say, well, yeah, I, I think I think we should. And like right at that moment, they get that emergency alert, 12.36 p.m., incoming missile. We'll do long distance. I'm going to make it work. You're going to love it. For a year? Yes, for a year. We'll make it work for you. What do you want to do, break up? I mean, come on. Uh, I'm so relieved you brought this up. Going to have to let you go. We've had some great moments, but change can be a good thing for both parties. You rehearsed this. You rehearsed your breakup speech. No. Yeah. So you just want to end this relationship right now? You know, euphemisms? Shep, I have to tell you. Is that mine? I don't know. What, what, what if we do couples therapy? Or we can get a dog? You need to see this. Ballistic missile inbound. Gotta be a fake, right? I'll verify. It's on my phone, too. It's on all my news alerts. Hashtag pray for LA is already trending. And a very similar text to uh, one that happened not too long ago, right, Tim? 2018. I think this was January 13th, 2018. I think it's like eight something in the morning. And we'll we'll get into that. We'll retell that story uh, when we get to the nuclear plot discussion stuff at the end. But if you're interested in this story, you and I did like a little f- nuclear fireside chat discussion about this like really a couple days after this happened back in 2018 can you believe that we've been doing this episodes uh this long but uh we did a really quick one on ladybug ladybug which is about a similar story about maybe a false alarm maybe not kids having to walk home from school i think it's like the 1962 1963 uh movie but uh but yeah the alert message it reads emergency alert ballistic missile inbound for los angeles this is not a drill which is Almost very similar and identical uh, to what we saw uh, for those citizens in Hawaii who got alerts on their phone, which was emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And I I did enjoy the joke that Shep says deadpan over to Mandy. Hashtag pray for LA is already trending. And it's like Uh, one second. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No, it's amazing. It doesn't seem any other city. It's just like a kind of screw you Los Angeles. Maybe Boston is shooting the missile over. Yeah, I I was wondering about that. I mean, we get, you know, later in the movie, it's kind of revealed. But the, the thing that I thought was really weird is Shep, who's kind of like this artist and a little bit of a doof. He like very authoritatively is like, oh, it takes 45 minutes for a missile to get here from Southeast Asia. Uh, and it's like, why? Like, why would how would he know that? I mean, it's clearly a line to set the whole scenario that they have to like figure out what they're going to do. But either one listens to the podcast. There you go. Uh, or two, I think they make a joke later that he considers himself a bit of a genius when really he Googles things. Uh, so probably what people think of me when I bring up uh, blast radius and, you know, safety stuff um, uh, at parties. Uh, yeah, I'm not invited to any holiday parties this year. Weird. Um, there, He mentions about the 45 minutes to an hour for the missile from Southeast Asia to get there. 
not sure what he means um, by Southeast Asia. Vietnam? Um, Laos? What are we talking about? I mean, he probably means North Korea uh, or China. I've normally understood those to be East Asia, but maybe they just don't want to say East Asia because movies about China nuking you aren't necessarily going to do well uh, all the times in, in, in Hollywood and maybe North Korea. Now, they don't want to get specifically into that. But, you know, I've looked, uh, looked this up. Uh, a lot of people talk about 40 Minutes not being a bad guess uh, for a missile that they currently have, this kind of ICBM uh, that would take um, about 40 minutes to get here. They are testing a whole bunch of missiles. They just did a big test in November of one of their new uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBM. Analysts are confirming uh, North Korea claims this could probably reach most of the U.S. homeland at this point. Uh, Japanese defense minister said that in terms of like, depends on the weight of the warhead. And we can talk about that if you're interested, because that's a big open question. If North Korea has done enough nuclear testing and advances to get the warhead down to size to fit it on a missile or multiples warheads on a missile. Nevertheless, the missile that they think based on how far it flew and how long it burned before it shut off would be about the range of exceeding 9,300 miles. So yeah, fascinating. The U.S., uh, by the way, tracks and assumes the Russian ICBMs would take about 30 minutes. So the North Koreans or the mysterious Southeast Asian country is a little bit slower. But it's important, right? It's important to set a time clock here. Now we have a ticking clock. They have 45 minutes to figure out something. And they talk about how they never got to go to Harry Potter land. They never got to do all of these different things. They're they're running through. We see a little bit of information on the news, like, hey, here's some tips and tricks to survive a nuclear attack uh i love i there's a lot of this movie i really did kind of enjoy like joke wise you want you know they, they talk about packing their car and they're really quickly she changes clothes because she doesn't want to wear what she had they talk about putting the blender and their nintendo in the car uh he right. puts his she puts his her guitar, guitar. Uh, you probably would would save your guitar i think i'd like to yeah it'd be tough to pick which one but um no i it's it's kind of interesting because like the first the initial reaction is like oh crap like let's get out of here mm-hmm. get in the car and drive and uh i don't know i like i always think about this like now because i do you know i've been on this podcast and and uh you force me to think about these dark scenarios like what's better like do you stay or do you go and they just kind of like go but then the reality is everyone's going to be doing it at the same yep. time depending on where you live it's probably you're probably just going to die in traffic uh and they kind of come to that conclusion they're like sitting in traffic and they're like why why do we want to die here like let's go back home and that's when they go back home and like go into survival mode but really weird like they yeah they they do fill the water in the tub uh they get some they, tools they, go- they google it they google tips yeah yeah that's right um stockpile food but then like they make a shelter but they make like a really like bougie uh almost I don't know, like a fairy tent, like in their living room that they're gonna hang out in. It's almost like a spa. Like, are you trying to make a spa or something? I don't know. With with Christmas lights and all yeah. that stuff up, um, they they get tools, but they look like they're like tools from IKEA. They have like cookies and Chef Boyardee or something uh, for food, and then they board up the windows, which you know, okay. Um, there, there's reasons to do that, maybe, but it seems like it's more about looters that they're concerned with, which we should know for later. The news. People, the news anchors joke a lot about uh, like they're kind of mentally falling apart. There's panic in the streets. Uh, we hear about potentially some some looters, other stuff happening. And then we get another one of these pairs of FaceTime calls. As panic breaks out all across the city, Fred Missoula brings us breaking news from our L.A. streets. God speak to you. What is this? I can't do this what is anymore. the news? Why do we watch this? I can't. It's my kid's birthday today. I missed the last seven. I'm... People watch other people panic, meanwhile spend no time with the ones they actually care about. Yeah, totally. I'm going to try and call Beth. Okay. Mandy calls Beth. Um, Jeff calls his parents. 
the dad says, oh, this is a black flag operation, just like Korea. <laughs> don't know what that means. Um, Shep is, is, says, though, he's happy to be their son. And there's this very uh, warm moment where he says, I know I'm a screw up, but I, I, you know, I just want to let you know that I love you. And I hope that you love me and all of this stuff. And of course, the screen freezes uh, as the internet cuts out. But uh, Shep makes another mistake, though, in terms of the relationship. He doesn't go back to Mandy. He goes to his online friends, yep. uh, his online art friends. And that seems to upset Mandy. The um, But that then leads to some, some act- activity. Some up, the world is ending. What would you do? You know, with you got five minutes left, we know what Mandy and Shep do, which is try all of those positions they just Googled uh, for some for some marital uh, relations. Yeah, I mean, it's a kid friendly podcast. Well, kind of. It's a little yeah. bit dark, but you can imagine, like, yeah, if you only had a little bit of time, like, you know, what are you going to do to pass the time? And yeah, they, they, they go, they have some fun. They have quite a bit of fun. And this is like right, right after Shep got done. Uh, like filming um doing like a live stream with his online like art community and uh we kind of find out later but the laptop is like open in the background the whole time still streaming mm-hmm. they just forgot about it um that comes back to get them later oops uh yeah i mean it also starts to get a little dark they they're they're cuddling together and they decide to make some poisoned kool-aid in case things get bleak then they decide to make a last meal and they make like an entire tables full of popcorn, yeah. and she eats like a bunch of bread. All of this track so far, uh, this is recommended in all the books. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like um there's a lot of like commentary on like the you know the modern day like millennial lifestyle or whatever. So yeah, it's like she you know she's eating bread because she doesn't allow herself to eat it, even though she's not she doesn't have uh, a gluten uh, into- intolerance mm-hmm. or uh, or malabsorption. She's just um. She's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to eat bread now. I'm allowed to. It's, it's a, there's some heavy-handed social commentary, not so subtle. Yeah, and they um, they get a little romantic. They talk about how they don't talk about these things enough uh, about their relationship. Um, they they talk about another fake story that they had about their meet cute, um, and they decide, you know what? Let's uh, let's write obits for each other. Let's let's write obituaries. And they go on their phones and they pretty quickly write some stuff. But Mandy's upset because she says that he Wikipedia her for the obit. Basically just wrote like a couple facts. Like she she doesn't like gluten. She likes Instagram. You know, a couple random things. Likes dogs. But turns out she doesn't actually like dogs. And then... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just it seems like they're they're not in great shape. The power goes out. The Wi-Fi is out. There's no reception. We start to hear helicopters flying above. They seems like they might drink the Kool Aid. They confess to another to each other. Uh, she says she wanted to be happier when she died. Job, home, boyfriend. She didn't get what she wanted. Shep says that he never did anything with his life, his art, his relationship, his job sucks. Thinks that Mandy disappointed in in him, and she then I think at one point admits the infidelity to him that she's been seeing Nick he forgives her and it seems like they have a nice little moment there I'm really really sorry we were having problems and it was it was empty and meaningless and and it's over now okay I just I just needed to get that off my chest I forgive you really yeah yeah I do I do I love you and I always will I don't I got your phone. Okay, okay. All right. <sighs> False alarm! False alarm! Oh my god! Whoever said we were gonna die today, I hope he burns in hell. Right? I thought we were dead. I thought, oh my <sighs> Power's back on. Emergency alert at 1.22 p.m. 
It was false alarm. False alarm. Normal. 46 minutes later, uh, we learn in the movie timeline, uh, 46 minutes later, there's a message that reads, disregard the previous message, false alarm, repeat, false alarm, no missile. Um, although they misspelled missile. So maybe some of us type in that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, false alarm, right? So they, they hug. They talk about how they might have just, you know, pooped their pants. Uh, they seem to be happy and they need to celebrate. But of course, what do they do? They get back on their phones. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah, probably yeah. not the best thing. Yeah, especially because Nick, the guy that Mandy is uh, messing around with, uh, he starts texting and uh, Shep sees it. Shep starts, like, basically confronts Mandy, like, hey, like, you know, who is this? And um, she's kind of still lying about it. There's this, like, funny thing where she's like, oh, I don't know the password to my phone. I can't check. <laughs> um, basically, they go, like, they take this, like, step back and they start, like, screaming at each other and saying all this, like, nasty stuff about each other. And it's just like yeah it's just not not great now it sounds like she wants to try to make it work but he isn't too sure he wants to leave actually and he goes outside but then of course there are some people looting their car and now they're stuck back at home again but this time around because they don't want to get attacked by people uh wearing like you know face masks and, and looting their car stealing their nintendo that's just not cool no mess with no another problem. man's nintendo yeah seriously yeah and then nick shows up at the house <laughs> he's a funny he he actually um he's kind of a funny character for me i I wasn't a huge fan of the characters in this movie, but Nick, he's like plays the, this is like an archetype that shows up in other things, like the really hot, but also sensitive guy who's like in touch with like Eastern healing and his feelings and like is like so attractive that the women can't resist him, mm -hmm. but is also like fine to like walk away from it and let you do it on your own terms kind of thing. So he shows up, it like leads to this confrontation with, uh, Shep, who tries to fight him, and it doesn't doesn't really go well. Yeah, there's some fun shots of like the news asking, "How did this happen? Was it the government's fault? Phone companies, media sources, Twitter? Uh, this movie was ahead of its time in telling us to delete our Twitter." There's a shots of people getting back to normal, but you see like a dead person on the street. Like someone must have like looted them uh, or killed them, and, you, and their corgi walks up. So you see like negative consequences of these kinds of false alarms. Uh, and then there's someone. This is what I, I thought was funny. There's someone washing off some writing that says, "The end is nigh." off their car, uh, which I thought was, was very clever. This is also where we learned that their sexcapades was streamed online. Uh, one thing I didn't get a sense of, did it seem like Shep posted it online to other places? Or did like did he like save the live stream? I think uh, it was just a stream. I think it was just his channel on like Instagram or whatever, and he just was live at that time. But uh, he's, like the movie's title, they're blowing up right now. Like he's his popularity has never been higher. Oh, yeah. In terms of like people following him, he's he's gotten so many orders for his art. He's not even sure he's going to be able to fill them all with that time and all that. So he's it gets pretty crazy for him. He even gets a note and that email uh, from that online female fan. He decides to invite her over uh, to kind of get back at Mandy. Yeah, but she that that was an interesting aside too. So she this is like it, again, this is like mostly this like weird bottle episode that all this action is taking place in the house. Yeah. But every now and then, like, these other characters stop by. So um, the Nick uh, and then this other person. So she comes, and he's, like, clearly doing it. Shep's clearly doing it to make Mandy jealous. And she brings her into, like, his studio. And she's like, she's like, oh, will you draw me? Like, you know, draw me, like, one of your Instagram ladies. She's clearly an influencer as well. Mm -hmm. And then she starts asking these weird questions, like, Hey, uh, if somebody came in here and slit your throat, would the value of your art go up? And like, do you have life insurance? And so <laughs> definitely giving off a creepy vibe. And it kind of ends with her leaving with this like art that he made for her. 
And clearly, like, she, even though she was flirting with him, she has zero feelings for this guy. It was just right. all about getting this piece of art that she can use to get, like, increase her likes because he's blowing up from their, uh, their, yeah, uh, escapades. Yeah, it's a lot of running stuff in this movie about what's real in terms of a relationship, what's real uh, in terms of, you know, where you seek comfort and where you seek attention uh, and what may not may be the right thing. Mandy tries to maybe rekindle something she felt for Shep. She starts scrapbooking her emotions. Uh, I think at one point Shep sees the art. Um, this is after they do like an exit interview uh, where they yell at each other and, and talk about uh, their relationship. And we get a quick note on the news that nuclear tensions, while not gone, have been lowered. They're pulling back from the brink. They say that the reason uh, that was reported why this false alarm happened, an overzealous strategic command officer uh, was the reason for the false alarm. She basically leaves to go to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, where there's where there are no where no phones yeah, are allowed. There's a strict no phone policy. So she's there, and during that time, I forget exactly like what inspires him, but Shep decides he's going to delete all of his profiles and all of his social. I think media he finds stuff. the scrapbook. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, so he finds the scrapbook. He's moved to do that, which was like she wanted him to do that to prove, you know, he he was into the relationship. And they go to the restaurant. Like it's revealed, I guess that they're real meeting stories. They just met on a dating app, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Why don't we do our meeting for the first time thing again, like now?" And so they kind of pretend to be meeting for the first time, and he pulls up a seat at the table, and they're talking like they don't know each other. And they're, they're joking like, oh, I need, a, I need a chair. It's the only open chair in the restaurant when there's no one else there. Exactly. Um, and it's cute. It's it's like a very like cute kind of you know soft music, soft lighting, that kind of thing. And they end up hitting it off. They're just talking about stuff. They're laughing. They're joking. They, they seem like a lot different couple than when they were you know dealing with the nuclear crisis. They end up going out at home and things go, uh, they get to do uh, more romance. Uh, I thought he'd be pretty tired after (laughs) earlier in the day, but I mean, I guess good on him. They don't know where this is going to go. Like they said, it would have been nice, but I don't know. And it seems like he's leaving for Oregon to go on his residency. He gets in the car. He says no texting, but email's okay. He draws her one more photo and he... Heads off. He talks to his parents, I guess, uh, while he's driving. Not really the safest thing to do, but he's FaceTiming with them while he's driving. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fascinating movie. It's weird that it ends there, right, Kate? Well, there's one last twist. Even though we thought the tensions were de-escalated, Shep's talking to his mom and dad on, um, you know, on his phone. And all of a sudden they, they like see this flash of light and they're they're like, oh, my God, what's that? And then start screaming and everything goes out. Just growing into different people. Don't let this whole my life is over thing get you down. I mean, just come and stay for as long as you want. I really appreciate it, but I have the residency thing, so I'll be out of your hair soon, I promise. We're proud of you, no matter what. What the hell is that? All right. Oh, oh my... Um, Dad? Oh my God. Okay, well... Did you hear that? I don't hear anything. Oh, she's awake. Hold on, honey. Mommy's here. Beth! Beth! Uh, Mandy's talking to her friend, her uh, awful friend Beth. Uh, same thing happens. And you see these mushroom clouds in the distance. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that, yeah. This ain't stock footage. Yeah, the whole country is under attack. The instinct is Mandy just starts trying to call Shep and he's not answering. It's chaos as Shep is like driving. He has to abandon his car. He just starts running like full steam to get back to Mandy and they finally reunite. He's able to like get in the house despite it being barricaded and they 
they agree to have a second date right as uh, the fireball comes into their house and kills them. Mandy. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. I'm here now. We're good. We're good. There's nobody I'd rather die with. Oh my God, we have so much in common. I was thinking, would you want to go on a second date? Let me think about it. Wow. Uh, what? What an ending. Um. It was. It was. It was quite an ending. Let's get super critical. Let's talk about some of the nuclear plot discussion stuff that's here, and then we'll get into our parking lot movie discussion, where uh, we'll talk about some of the non-nuclear things that are here. I thought this movie definitely. I mean, it clearly draws on real life. It draws on the the Hawaii missile scare, as we talked about, an eight oh seven a.m. on Saturday, January thirteenth. The Hawaiian Emergency Management Agency um, activated a civilian early warning system, and as you mentioned earlier, it's the same thing you do when you get like Amber Alerts or or was a flood, like a flash flood warning, things like that. Uh, it's You hear the classic, you know, meh, meh, um, noise. I don't know if I'll put that into the podcast because it's kind of annoying to hear. This was sent to a number of cell phones, geotagged for the state uh, in, in, on the island. And this was an accident, clearly. Uh, this was the result, um, you know, they said initially of human error, where a staff member of the Hawaiian Emergency Management Agency accidentally selected the wrong drop-down menu. The choices were PACCOM, CDW, state only, which means missile incoming, or, and then it was a drill one. They could have done drill, PACCOM, CDW, state only. That was like, you know, missile incoming was the first one. The second one was, this is a, a drill, uh, kind of a test alert. Yeah, so that was what the initial story was. They were saying that, like, someone from the night shift was pretending to be someone from U.S. Pacific Command to test out how the response rate of the the response time of the staff. So was it a mistake by the employee who thought it was a a real emergency? The the federal investigation actually found and contradicted the Hawaiian officials and said that this was an intentional act, that the guy thought this was real. It wasn't like a mistake. Um, The person thought it was real, was eventually fired. The state investigation talked about how the emergency message had a lot of period, a long period of confusion afterwards. Authorities didn't know how to correct the, 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 the alert. They knew it was false. They didn't know how to like recall a message or to set up one that wasn't exactly what they had pre-programmed. So it took uh, about 38 minutes for the don't worry about it message uh, to be sent. And it's kind of funny, amid criticism of how long it took the state to correct the mistake, the governor of Hawaii said that his response on Twitter was delayed because he had forgotten his account's password. Was it, by the way, um, coincidence that the like the canceling of the false alarm was around, what, what did you say, 38 minutes? Like, which is pretty much the time. It sounds like about the time that it would take for the missile to strike. Like, that's like really cruel. There's probably a Shep out there that was like, oh, no, I know exactly how long this is going to be. It probably is actually a little bit shorter if it's trying to get to Hawaii, which is why it's 38 minutes versus 45. But no, it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, The Washington Post had some fascinating reporting at the time. They said, quote, "Uh, the time in between sparked a brief panic. In a state where fears of an attack by North Korea have heightened in recent months, you can remember, this is me again, um, you can remember in 2017, all of those missile tests. We talked about that when we covered the movie The Interview. All kinds of nuclear tests by North Korea, um, both weapons and missiles. Back to the article in the Washington Post. Residents and tourists reported seeking shelter, frantically gathering supplies, calling and texting loved ones to say their goodbyes. A wedding coordinator uh, named Courtney on the island said that it turned a very serene Saturday morning into mass hysteria on the roads. So back to what we saw in the movie, Courtney said it took something that's kind of incomprehensible and made it quickly very personal. All of a sudden you're going through your mind, is this the end of my life? 
I called my mom, I called my dad, I called my brother, and basically said my goodbyes. Yeah, we remember that story that uh, someone wrote into the podcast, Terrence, who talked about a wedding that him and his um, people had to uh, shelter in place in the basement when they got the alert. So it's quite quite a situation, a very scary one. And I was always wondering, why haven't there been more movies or TV or something that drew on this? Because this was something that, for the people in Hawaii, quite a visceral experience, quite one that really cut to their core. Well, and thank God it didn't. Like, it could have been so much worse. I mean, I think what this movie gets into is, like, obviously the panic response and looting and and shoplifting and just chaos and people getting shot corgis losing yeah their owners. And especially like a place like hawaii where it's just so self-contained like yeah if people like you know wanted to just kind of go nuts uh they're lucky that a lot worse stuff didn't happen it's crazy and there are all kinds of discussions about what happens if someone hacks trump or biden's twitter account and sends an alert that's like hey by the way uh you might want to duck and cover because something's incoming i'm getting in <laughs> i'm getting on my spaceship uh to the moon base uh see you later you know something like that but in a serious way uh and what kind of panic that would do to markets to people trying to find a way to survive and then how long would it take to put out a correction um on those things or even worse, what if there's a crisis like that that is actually a prelude to an, an actual attack? Create confusion uh, amongst people about whether or not the next real one is not a false alarm or whether it is or not a false alarm. That's what I was wondering about maybe in this movie. Maybe they were, were commenting that the false alarm was that story was faked by someone and there actually was a missile incoming probably not because there's enough time that takes place after the alert comes out but maybe that was a false flag operation from the koreans to create confusion so that the incoming missiles which no one ever got an alert for was was the real one so that was fascinating to me i i hope there's been some lesson learned and (laughs) some something's being done to avoid that because yeah it is it is terrifying and especially I guess back then, what were we, what was the main thing? We were thinking about North Korea kind of a lot. I mean, now we're, you know, Russia's on the mind and all this stuff with Putin. I mean, I think it it becomes a lot more credible when there's an actual conflict afoot that you kind of could believe the story and like, Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, this is, this is, could be real. I really find it fascinating any movie where there's some sort of nuclear tension that's happening in the background but people don't pay attention to it because why would you you would be exhausting you'd be like me uh with bags under my eyes constantly thinking about this stuff if you actually did try to lead a normal life if you have relationships like in the movie threads there's a whole story about these people who have an unplanned pregnancy and they're trying to get ready for maybe a marriage uh a wedding get their wallpaper up in their home and in the background, like radios or uh, at the pub, people asking to change the news and go back to the soccer game. And there's stuff's in the background. Like this movie, I think, does a pretty good job of that. It's not what people care about until they get the alert. And once they get the alert, you know, it's too, it's a little too late. So that's what happened in the movie. The other thing we see in the film is survival tips. How you portray the mad scramble of pre- preparing I thought this was very reasonable to me. Um, Even me, as someone who I think I would have a general idea of, of what to do, you know, my options are in incredibly limited uh, for what I could do. You know, I have plans, things like this, but it's this chaotic moment of not knowing whether something's real or not. It was fortunate that they were both together. There were these stories in the Washington Post about a a father who drops off uh, his kid and his wife and his other um, family members in different locations and having to make a choice. The bomb is incoming. The missile is incoming. Where am I going to go first? You know, which family member am I going to get to? Pretty, pretty scary stuff. What did, what did you think about the kind of chaotic moment um, that they, how they showed it? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was good. Um, you know, obviously there's some like jokes in there about like packing the Nintendo and all that. You know, there was like the initial shock and just kind of, 
not really thinking through carefully like what you're what you're gonna do and admittedly like i i wouldn't know what to do right i mean you just kind of like i think about all the stuff that is valuable that i want to have around with me but then there's stuff that's actually valuable and yeah i don't know do you re- do you like recommend to people that they they create a little do you have like a go bag or a list or something that you kind of take with you or is that like overkill uh, i mean i have something but it's mostly not thinking about a nuclear attack uh not definitely one from a state that's attacking you with five plus detonations like we see in the movie it's more like what happens if there was a radiological bomb in in washington dc that is what i'm worried about quite a bit and in that situation we have plans to either get out um depends where my wife and myself and my kid uh, are at different given moments maybe we shelter in place but we have enough food available but you know there's the standard stuff of like don't go outside for two weeks or at least a, a week and a half or so if you're outside clean your your body and your clothes and put those outside build as much separation even if it's just air between you and the outside check your vents close your vents yeah. so that you're not getting stuff in you can prepare a little you can prepare over prepare uh, quite a bit you can build a bunker uh you can just prepare uh, a shelter inside like um you know one place that we would go to is underneath our staircase uh in our storage area that's a lot of space in between it um and it would be enough room for some people but still the question then becomes okay now what now you've survived the the initial fallout so if you go outside for a certain amount of time you're going to be okay maybe but what are you going to do you know it's depending on the size of the attack there's not much worth you know out there yeah. is that living all that kind of stuff which i think the movie doesn't get into which is fine it just kind of ends with them holding each other deciding at that moment to reconcile uh before things go bad yeah exactly you know i it, it's it's funny because like we don't we don't think a lot about you know the emergency preparedness stuff and like what would we do if certain things happen and um yeah i mean like the odds that you would need to actually use it are pretty low but I don't know. It doesn't take that much time to like come up with with the plan. This is starting to sound. This whole episode or part yeah, of yeah, it yeah. is starting to sound very like PSA. Uh, like do it. Like it's more the more the more you know. But no, I'm serious. Like it, it does. It does actually get you thinking a little bit about about those scenarios. I think actually the movie does a good job of showing what people would do if they had minimal information. Uh, Googled something fairly quickly in the first hit that would pop up and what they would try to scramble to do based on information they were provided. I mean, even during the Cold War, civil defense would walk around. I mean, I'm looking at a poster on my wall, which is you can protect yourself from radioactive fallout. Get the facts from your local civil defense director. And you would get a, you would take a course. Uh, you would get a handbook. Um, I have some of these handbooks. They're, the illustrations are fascinating. There is this thing called Protect and Survive um, in the United Kingdom about what you could do uh, in the event of a nuclear attack. But the people who wrote those things kind of thought, yeah, I mean, what you would do is maybe um, burn a little bit slower uh, than, than everyone else, die a little bit slower from, from radiation. But the United Kingdom's not very big. There's not a lot of room to survive uh, if there's a nuclear war. All these kinds of stuff are fascinating, but I think the movie does a good job of recognizing if you have some minimal information, this is what you're going to do. And this is probably what the majority of people uh, are going to be doing when you're forcing someone with, with 40 minutes uh, to figure out a plan. Um, a lot of movies that do this, there's a lot more foreshadowing. You kind of know what you're in for. The mu- the music's dark. And there's there's like one scene of foreshadowing here where he's at the computer and says like nuclear tensions rise. It's not even clear he was reading that story. 
Yeah, and like I, I almost wish he, they didn't even include that. I wish there was like it'd be cool in this movie if there was no foreshadowing, just like out of nowhere this comes up. You don't want to start um, with because... uh, stock footage of uh, mushroom clouds and nuclear testing. No, yeah, that get rid of that also. But no, because it's, it's like you know this is how it would happen. It would just be out of nowhere, or I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe you you'd have some warning because you know the rhetoric would start getting. Can't imagine somebody would just launch a nuclear weapon out of nowhere. Play yeah. like why play that doomsday card? You know, you'd have played some other cards. We'd probably be in a wartime. I don't know. I mean, that, that's what people talk a lot about the the bolt out of the blue type strike. You can there's every kind of scenario can happen. I I probably feel that. The bolt out of the blue attack is very, very unlikely. You know, there would be public posturing. People would be moving more troops uh, around. You would see certain types of activity. And in the United States and the Russians and others have, have put together a list that says, if we see the other country doing these things, that could be a signal that there might be an incoming attack. Uh, one example that the Russians had was... Uh, if the British start moving priceless pieces of art away from the museums and into storage, that was something. Uh, one other one was um, if you start to see in Russia price of blood, like blood donations going up because the Russians are preparing for more blood to be able to provide to people in the in course of like hospitals and things. That would be a signal that the Russians were preparing something. Equally, all of that stuff could be bad information or not correctly interpreting the signals uh, through the noise. All kinds of stuff that are really fascinating about trying to understand when something is happening. But really, the bolt out of the blue attack is probably not what's going to happen. But people talk about it in the sense of, like, that's why we need missile defense. Because anytime, at any point, I mean, even Chet mentions, we have missile defense, it'll be fine. Uh, and then, of course, it doesn't, which I think is, you know, from a person like myself who thinks missile defense, uh, national missile defense, is a waste of money and not something that's really going to help us. Glad to see that it didn't. And that wasn't, like, what the final scene was. Uh, a triumphant missile battery destroying a, a warhead right before it lands over Los Angeles. That would be maybe the, the director's cut if this was written by NORAD. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Propaganda video. Well, moving away from the nuclear stuff and into the parking lot movie discussion, uh, our non-nuclear chats. So let's say this wasn't streaming. Let's say this was at our local AMC. Uh, we decided to watch it and talk about it after we went uh, before we went our separate ways. Uh, one, did you expect that ending, and did you like it? Uh, I did not expect it. I did like it. I was not a huge fan of this movie. It felt kind of empty and hollow. Like I don't know. I like I like what they were trying to do. I didn't. I don't think the couple, the actor and actress, actress who played the couple, they just didn't have the chemistry. I mean, the acting was okay, but they just didn't. It didn't click. Uh, maybe that's was the point that their relationship was like collapsing. And then just some of the stuff, it's just it was very like superficial level commentary about our, you know, Instagram, TikTok, like worthy culture, whatever. And it's like, OK, haha, it, it probably could have been like a long episode of TV. So mm -hmm. for me, actually, the ending did a bit to redeem it. And actually, just even this conversation, I mean, there's some. There's some good things in there. It's an interesting concept. I just don't think it got the um, didn't get like the depth it deserved, and maybe in the hands of, of some you know maybe with a bigger budget. I mean, there's like typical low budget stuff here where the escape scenes just they don't feel really you know it's it's a low budget thing. They're not gonna have like a you know a thousand extras who are like piling out. But um, so yeah, I I I do think the ending like added something that helped bring me back a little bit. How about you? Uh, I definitely didn't expect it. Uh, you know, anytime a, a movie has this kind of stuff, I'm it always it could be that's how it ends. You know, even Doctor Strange love ends with the world ending when you kind of think that they might have figured it out and were able to stop it. But uh, I didn't expect it. 
I I think I did like it for the same reasons you did. I think it ties up uh, their relationship quite a bit. Uh, even they talked about where is this going to go. Uh, well, we, it doesn't go anywhere. But for them, that was important. That at some point before they ended their um their before their lives ended, they found some sense of connection that was meaningful and not something that was digital or something that was uh, based on the, a false image of a person that they thought they needed to go for. Uh, I thought that was was good. Uh, maybe the last question I have here is. Did you learn anything about, you know, Gen Z, millennial couples? I guess this is more of a millennial couple. Yeah, they were like, oh, we met five years ago in college, and yet they look like they're, you know, kind of, first of all, that's not, I think that's that's now Gen Z. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're that age. Um, but also, yeah, they just looked a lot older. They kind of had older friends and stuff. Um, but yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, like, I'm aware of the whole, you know, that whole culture. I don't, like, participate wholeheartedly in it. You just hear about all these people who are online and miserable and creating fake stuff about themselves and just not happy and can't be alone and all this. To me, it was just, like, a lot more of that. I It was it just felt hollow. It didn't feel like a real commentary on that for me. And maybe it's because I'm not, I, I don't, I don't feel like that in my life. I'm, I'm not, like, addicted to this stuff and and don't look for validation on it at least i don't think so maybe i do i don't know um but yeah i just just didn't i don't know it didn't click and just some of the stunt dumb like you know when they're out to the brunch and there's some talk about like the oh we got like the local wheat berries in or something like all right like i've heard this Mm. i've heard this so many times before so i i get what they were trying to do it's quick characterization stuff you know it's the same thing like i always joke about uh it's it's nuke shorthand to see you know a red button it's the same kind of millennial gen z shorthand to talk about avocado toast or local berries if they wanted to like go hard they would like redo the movie and instead of like a nuclear threat the main villain would be a like you know a 65 year old boss at the company who like has been there and has like and just won't retire and won't let them advance and is using like uh and is like dead name dead naming people and using the wrong pronouns like i just think that would be if they really want to go hard on the concept uh yeah or or, i I love it the movie's called uh boomer out of the barn uh which is a a boomer is a a nuclear weapon missile launching submarine so in boomer out of the barn means that it's it's come out of the missile base uh, and maybe the idea there is that like the the boss should just go and retire uh, on its on, on his farm on his or her farm. Um, yeah, boomer out of the barn. Let's do that. Uh, so let's let's uh, wrap up here. Let's do our rating system. Uh, we are going to rate blowing up right now um, out of five, with one being terrible, don't watch this, not worth a stream, uh, and five being terrific. Uh, recommend you watch it with your parents. Um, I tailor the rating system based on the plots that we just watched. I've checked Twitter. Uh, I put out a poll. Uh, like we were supposed to do now on Twitter, right? And the information I got back was, let's rate this one out of five alert pop-ups on your phone. If you get just one world-ending alert, you might ignore it, thinking it's like Bed Bath Beyond giving you a coupon. But if you get five of those back-to-back-back alerts, you're probably going to see what all that buzzing is about. It might save your life, or at least make the last half hour or so uh, memorable. Uh, I would give this 2.75. I I think a lot of it is clouded, mushroom clouded potentially, by my uh, like of the the lead and some of the other people. I like the bottle episode. I wanted a movie that took this situation as a hook 
to tell a story about people and crisis and things. And I think it did enough for me that I'm happy that it exists. I don't disagree with everything you just said, which is why it kind of doesn't get over a three. Uh, but I would recommend this to people who are into the this genre uh, of nuke movies. And it's it's easy to get, easy to watch, uh, and it's a light watch. It doesn't take all that long. It takes about as long, you know, maybe as two missiles uh, coming from Southeast Asia. What about you, Gabe? Yeah, I'm probably going to go too. Um, as much as like this discussion helped to redeem some of it for me, I'm thinking like for the people who want to see something good, like I just don't think it's a great use of time. I, I think it's if you're really like hardcore into seeing the the nuke genre or, you know, um, I don't know, just go watch a, a Hallmark movie like it, it's going to be about <laughs> the same level of quality. You won't leave with the fear of existential dread. Yeah, you won't be missing any like uh, millennial whatever commentary. Yeah, I I I think too. I mean, it's a nice try. I don't I don't, I feel bad like kind of you know pooping on it, but it's um, it's an interesting concept. It just they should try again. A little more nuanced social commentary, a little bigger budget. It would have been it would have been up to maybe a four, but didn't get there. Well, thanks for the the um unbridled opinion. We might have some stuff though to recommend to people. Uh, who are listening to this, who, like you said, want to learn a little bit more, whether something related to the movie or to something uh, adjacent. I've got four things I like to recommend to people, the first of which is some stand-up specials uh, that the main lead, Danny Jollis, he did uh, recently one where it's like a choose-your-own-adventure story, where they basically filmed two different uh, nights uh, of an act, and when he would say, like, uh, I hate Disney movies, or I love new Disney movies, and you could choose which set he was going to do. And you can kind of watch and weave through. And it was a fun... I thought it was great. Very clever. I recommend people check that out. Uh, second movie I recommend is Eternal Sunshine with Spotless Mind. 2004. Uh, one of my favorite movies about people uh, on the rocks in terms of a relationship and still trying to find a way back to each other. Now, that's the one with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Uh, great movie. Really like that one. Um, and that's about a guy who wants to break up after he gets broken up or after they break up, he goes somewhere to have his memory of this person erased. But then halfway through the operation, realizes he doesn't actually want that to happen. So it's him debating um, with his own self-conscious while he's sleeping uh, to try to save something of their relationship. Love it. Yeah. Three, I recommend a documentary that I was able to talk with the director, uh, Nick Lyle, uh, about. In, uh, it's uh, called False Alarm uh, from 2001. Uh, great, um, great, great documentary, mostly from the perspective of talking about this crisis in Hawaii, but from the position of people that live there. Finally, I recommend an article uh, on the Arms Control Association website uh, by Daryl Kimball, which was updated most recently in March 2020, called Nuclear False Alarms and the Risk of Catastrophe. Uh, I used to work at this organization a long, long time ago uh, as an intern, and it's a great one for resources and information and reporting on these kinds of issues. And this is one of their uh, pieces that they wrote about nuclear false alarms and how those um, stories eventually are going to end like they do in this movie, um, unless you make some changes. Gabe, what do you got to recommend to our listeners? I will engage in some shameless self-promotion <laughs> and uh, promote our episode Ladybug, Ladybug, uh, episode number 21 uh, and the eponymous movie. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was the one we did in response to the crisis mm -hmm. in Hawaii. And so that brought back some nice memories seeing this and thinking about that. So yeah, go go listen and watch and 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 try not to get scared about next time your phone does that 
buzzing thing and then your other phone does it and your like partner's thing does it and everyone else's goes off. Yeah, when those things happen, every time I just like be, oh, please be a flash flood, please be a flash flood, please be a flash flood. Yeah. Scape, thanks so much for popping on here. Um, thanks again for, for joining the podcast and being a, a great co-host uh, talking through these things. Even though you're not, uh, wouldn't call yourself a nuke expert, I think you are nuke adjacent at this point. I am, yeah, I, I'm getting closer and closer to the uh, the, the core or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't do the puns. I don't know enough of the lingo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I appreciate you getting super critical with me as always. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Super Critical Podcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or you want to tell us what we got wrong, uh, either about nuke stuff or, you know, maybe uh, this is how um, a Gen Z would survive uh, a nuclear attack and we'll be, they'll be the only ones to survive and all of us boomers and other people will be dead. Um, here's how you can contact us on Twitter at Nuclear Podcast. We have a website, supercriticalpodcast.com and email, supercriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Tim Westmeyer and Gabe. And remember, if it's pop culture and radioactive, we are bound to get super critical about it. Have a good one.